0: Amen. God bless you. We're so glad you're here. Um, I'm Pastor Paulus. my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. We're so thankful that you're all here. Um, I try so hard on baptisms to not get wet. I've got all these devices in the back. I've got on waders and sometimes shoes and all kinds of stuff. I roll up my sleeves, but it never fails. I somehow get wet. And I think there's something spiritually significant to that, that family is sometimes messy family needs to kind of spill over into each other. If we're continually trying to keep a distance between each other, we do not really get into what family is about. And uh, even though I'm cold and aggravated, does anybody have that happen in their family? Aggravated, annoyed. I'm not annoyed by the people. I'm annoyed by my shirt being wet. Um, but life can be annoying, but I want you to know that there is something so significant about us doing that together. Um, that was the body of Christ coming together to see breakthrough and, and salve, literal salvation and us experience that together as a body. The intention, one of the intentions of baptism is so that we do this together as a body, can hold each other accountable, can help hold each other up can start to get to know each other and realize, hey, you're struggling. I know what you're going through, and let me help you through that. We do this together. We do this in front of everyone. Jesus said to do this in front, in front of our, our body. Baptism is visible. It is a visible picture of what's happened in your heart. And it is you proclaiming, those that just got baptized this morning, telling you, I've decided to follow Jesus and to help me, church body, walk this out the rest of my life. This isn't just some little neat part of the service. This is not only a commitment by them, but it's a commitment by us. Are you with me? Family takes commitment. With no commitment, there's no family. With no commitment, there's no marriage. And it comes at a cost. We've been talking about putting down roots, and it is just genuinely putting down roots in the Lord. It is about having down roots so that when the wind blows, you don't break. So that when the wind blows, you don't get uprooted. Has anybody ever seen an uprooted tree? Uh, These winds that we had this past season, maybe it was in the spring or in the summer, some huge trees uprooted. It is incredible what's under the ground. But that uprooted tree is not God's plan for you. There is no hope of restoring that humongous, uprooted tree. It needs to be cut up and burned or used for something else. That is not God's plan for you. Such a great song we did this morning. Um, it's called Catch the Wind. And it's so much about me. And I, I sometimes, as a worship leader, don't like a lot of the songs about me. It winds up being horizontal worship rather than vertical worship. Can anybody follow what I'm saying? horizontal is a lot of times just about what we're going through. Vertical is about God and how great He is. I think that's the kind of worship that God really likes. It's what's going on around the throne. But that song, I am strong and full of life. I am steadfast, no compromise. It's all about me knowing who God is in me and what God is doing in me. And that's so significant. We sang also about a friend. It's not I'm a friend of God, but it was a song about how God has made us his friend. We learned in Sunday school this morning about how John said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. You know, the one that Jesus loves, referring to me, is John saying. That is is an incredible relationship that we are to build with Christ. You remember what I said last week about the... um, really the key to, to building um, roots in Christ is trust. And the only way trust comes is by intimacy and by true dependence. The, the uh, disciple John could never have said, the one Jesus loved, I'm the one that Jesus loved, without true intimacy and dependence. He really knew who Christ was, and he knew who Christ was in him. Are you with me? Our connection to building roots in Jesus Christ and in, his, and in his word is by your heart. He wants a heart connection. He doesn't want a distant connection. He wants a heart connection. He wants to get your heart, and the only way is through intimacy, and through dependence, and learning to truly trust God. Again, that song we sang, um, your faithfulness will never let me down. I may be butchering these words. If y'all ever listen to me when I'm leading worship, I butcher words like crazy. It's so bad, and I have them in front of me. I have them right here, but for some reason, they don't always come out right. Anybody have that problem? Chronic lyricosis? I do. But that song was all about me knowing how faithful God is. And the only way that God builds faithfulness, that He builds, He shows me His faithfulness is by me walking through challenges and by me learning to trust Him. I must learn to trust Him. Like David in the field and Jesus in the wilderness, we must allow God to lead us to a place where we know His voice. In Matthew 4, 4, uh, Jesus told the enemy that we don't just live on bread, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not only was that true for Jesus as he wandered through the desert, but it's true for us today. Hearing God's voice brings us life. And when we don't hear God's voice, we will literally starve to death. So our lives as we walk and begin to build roots, this building of roots requires us to start tuning our our receiver to God's voice, tuning into his voice. He wants us to know that he is with us and that we are going to be okay. His voice is going to get us through the process. Elizabeth mentioned this morning about a testimony that we had in Sunday school, and it's from Jamie Boykin. I don't know if anybody knows who Jamie is. Jamie did one of our, um, forget the series that I called it, Restore? Um, Jamie gave his testimony. It is an incredible testimony. If you can go to our uh, YouTube channel, you can go watch his testimony. It's unbelievable. It'll blow you away. But he's this Big old, burly, bald-headed guy that works in children's ministry with the little people. And at a glance, you think, oh my gosh, this is children's ministry? Until those kids come out calling him by name, asking for him when he comes back. He gets down on the floor and rolls around with them, and they just love him. But the only way that that comes is by Jamie building trust. Trust. With those children. And it impacts them so greatly. So that's what we're trying to do here is to build that relationship with the Lord. And as I told y'all the last few weeks about Ruth Ann when she was five, having that motorcycle accident and it leaving me completely hopeless and overwhelmed. I believe if if we are truly following the Lord, and as Jamie gave his testimony this morning, he said, Pastor Paul, he's walking through cancer. He says, as I'm walking through this, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it with the Lord. And the Lord is proving himself faithful. But as I was walking through this with Ruth Ann and her motorcycle accident, had I not had the Lord, I would have had no hope. But I had just enough of the Lord to be able to say, okay, God, I can't handle this. You've got to take it. And I've told y'all the story that my my statement was, God, here's a a time for you to show me how great you are. And you know, when we get overwhelmed with life and with challenges and literal, is my child going to die? Is she going to be permanently damaged? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my family? Am I, is my health going bad? You know, if we would ask the Lord, God, how are you handling this? I believe the Lord would say, look at me. God's saying to you, look at me. Do I look stressed? What would our response be? No. If we will genuinely look at the Lord and in the middle of our challenge, be able to say, God, is heaven about to crumble? And if if we'll really look at it, no, heaven's not about to fall. Jesus has not fallen off the throne because of what has just happened. I believe that we would agree, no, God's not worried then I believe God would say, then I don't know why you're worried. I've got this. I can handle what you're walking through. Just walk with me. Would you walk with me? The challenges that you're walking through today, the Lord is asking you to walk with him. The Lord is asking you to let him go with you. The Lord is asking you to let Him into your heart. Many of you have had your heart broken over and over and over. You've even had your trust broken. You may even feel like that God has broken that trust. That's ultimately what I believe we're having to rebuild, is a broken, what we think is a broken trust in God. But what happens is Satan gets in the middle of it and twists it, and turns it, and then sends people into your life to confirm it. And all of a sudden, we've got the wrong view, and God wants to remove that, and He wants to prove Himself faithful. So, as we continually go down this road of learning how to trust, do you know that we can't really build trust until we learn a person's character? We can, see, we can hear His voice, we can see His face, but, but we must come to know His character in order to trust Him. And the Bible reveals to us that every aspect of God's nature and character, every aspect of God's nature and character proves His trustworthiness and invites our trust. So we're going to talk about just a few of His characteristics today that I believe are key to trusting God. Number 1 Not only God doesn't lie God cannot lie There's a difference I want you to know I can lie I try very hard not to lie but I can Can you relate God can't It's not in his DNA We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. So I've got fallen and sinful things banging around inside of me. Not God. He cannot lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Y'all got your Bibles? You got your phones? Read it for yourself. Something good happens when you look at words and when you speak words. Paul a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God can we all say that part? Promise before time began. So let's back up. Something that's got to be learned, something that you need to be taught and you need to accept is that God's word is true. All of it. God's word is true. So if it says he who cannot lie and I believe that God's word is true, then I will begin to believe that God cannot lie. I know this sounds so very elementary, but somewhere back in the back of your head, somewhere down deep in your soul, you don't believe God. And that's what we want to rebuild. That's what God wants to rebuild is that God can be believed because He is true, because He cannot lie, because He is faithful, because He is trustworthy. Somebody say amen. He is. If you're not there yet, great. This process is going to be great because God's going to prove Himself truthful to you. As true as the sun comes up every morning, do you doubt the sun coming up? God can be relied on even more. God made the sun come up. He makes the sun come up every day. It's God that does that. He can be um, relied upon. God was telling us, my credentials, God's credentials are based on promises that are unshakable because they were made by a father who cannot lie. All God has in him is truth. He has no ability to lie or mislead. Therefore, everything he says and does can be fully trusted. But as I said earlier, this aspect of God's nature is hard for us to wrap our heads around because we have the ability to lie. And we have the ability to mislead and to deceive others and to deceive ourselves, And we naturally project this onto God. We usually don't admit it, but sometimes we have a picture of God that includes the possibility that he could mislead us. We imagine him placing a dream or a word or a promise in our hearts and then stepping back and saying, and God's saying, hey, check this out, angels. Let's watch them try to pull off this this dream that I've placed in their heart, but I really don't mean it, but let's watch them try to do this. It's going to be funny. It's going to be good. Have you ever set somebody up to fail and then sat back and watched them? I know you have. I know you have. You just kind of walk somebody into a into a thing under the bucket that dumps on their head. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that, but that's what we used to do. We used to do buckets of water or whatever and have people open the door and then it would dump on their head and it's hilarious. Hey, watch this. But we think sometimes that God's placed this, a dream in our hearts and then as, as we're walking it out, just saying, hey, everybody, watch. It's going to be great. And we get dumped on. We think, God, that was your plan. I can't trust you. I can't trust you. You know, as we're walking with the Lord, the second a challenge pops up, how easy it is to get off the track. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Because we live in a world where we want to take control all the time. I'm better behind the wheel than God. Have you ever been riding with your kid in the car? And I'm going to just paraphrase. I think I would do a better job than they're doing right now, driving. I think I'd be better off just to close my eyes and pray that we make it there. Or you scream and yell the whole time. God can handle it one of the greatest disciplines of trust when we hit these challenges when we hit these challenges in our life and we want to take the wheel and we want to take over and we want to divert from what God's doing is to take those thoughts captive I believe one of the most powerful things that the Lord gives us power over is our thoughts. But one of the most powerful things that's controlling your life is your thoughts. We've got this crashing of worlds together between your thoughts and your ability to handle them. But God has given you authority over your thoughts. Church, do you hear me? God has given you the authority over your thoughts. But if you are not fueling your brain, if you are not fueling your eyes and your ears with God's word and his character and who he is and his instruction and his direction, the second a challenge shows up, we take off and go in the direction that we know how to do. And all of a sudden we wind up broken down on the side of the road. And somehow we compute that God has done this to us and God hasn't. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. is faithful and God is trustworthy. But if you don't know Him, you don't know how to line up that trust, trust and faithfulness. You've got to know him. The problem is, you don't know him. I'm not trying to be mean. If you know him, he will prove himself faithful. Second characteristic he is a perfect father. You want to know why we are challenged with this one so much? Because our fathers, our natural fathers aren't. I haven't met one yet that's perfect. My dad wasn't. I had a great dad. But he was not perfect. In fact, if I really want to start thinking about it, I can start thinking about all the stuff he did wrong. I could even let myself start getting resentful. And he died a year or two ago, and I could even start to get bitter about it. And he's gone. And he loved me. He was a great dad. But I can let little things start to grow back up in my life with him. Father God is perfect, it's almost impossible to understand. I don't believe it is impossible to understand because I believe that we were created to fully understand who God is. I believe that when Scripture tells me that I have the mind of Christ, that I have the ability to really know God, that it is God's desire for me to really know Him. And one of those characteristics that I am to know is that Father God is a perfect Father. When I need Him, He's there. He's there. When I need fatherly provision, he's there. When I need fatherly wisdom, he's there. When I need pulled out of a hole, when I need healing, when I need breakthrough, when I need what I need from a father, he's there and he's perfect. Do do we struggle with this as Father God? Yes, we do because we've had such a hard time with our own fathers. I can tell you with my children. I am so far from perfect. I believe my kids are being raised in a, in a good, healthy environment with a good mom and dad that love them. But we make so many mistakes. But Father God is perfect. In Luke 11, it says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, that's us, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, Heavenly Father, give those who ask? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You never have to mistrust what God gives you because what God gives you is good. There is nothing that God can give you that isn't good. Next, God is also loving and kind. Many of us grew up with a picture of God as angry and frustrated and disappointed in us. I, we think God must be irritated with us because we would be irritated with us. We can't imagine a God not being irritated with us because we remain irritated with everyone all the time. So wouldn't God be the same? And if we really wanted to look at our own self self, and we see the frustrating things that we do to kind of sabotage our own life, wouldn't we be irritated with ourselves? So how could we ever grasp that God's not irritated with us? But He isn't. He already, one great thing about God is He already knew what you were going to do. So for us to somehow compute irritation to that moment, God already knew it. He already knew that was going to happen. If I already know what you're going to do, my level of irritation drops dramatically because I already knew it. He's already processed it all. And he has still chosen to fully love us. I think because he he can choose to, but I also think because there is nothing else in him but to love us. It's not there for him not to. Can anybody's mind just blow Lindsay uh, uh, Lindsay Gross, two weeks ago, made a statement of how God, God is. Like, what? It's just a a moment for God to show us how God he is. God is on another whole plane that we are trying to grasp. And in the midst of our walking through our challenges, sometimes it's very easy to get thrown off because we are not God. How could God love me through what I just did? Because I wouldn't love someone through that. So, God must not love me. It's a lie. That's Satan trying to put a big division between you and him. And if we allow it, it'll become such a chasm that we can never overcome again without God. God is loving and kind. It's difficult to fathom or accept that he is really as unconditionally loving as he is, especially when we get in touch with our brokenness and sin. But it's out in the field like David, where God repeatedly invites us to draw close to him. And our capacity to receive and to see his love begins to grow. And his love and kindness naturally attract and inspire our trust. One of the greatest things that my dad could have ever done for me is every time I messed up, he received me back. Every time. And I did not deserve it. And it was over. I think I counted at least seven times, then I just stopped counting. That all has to do with me in, in, uh, as a youngster, as a teenager, drinking and making terrible decisions. Take my car away, to try to take stuff away, and then my dad would, would restore me. Over and over and over, and I just finally stopped counting. It's too much to keep up with. All it did was just keep pushing me down and pushing me down, me thinking about all my mistakes. Finally, I'm just like, enough. My dad's not keeping track. If I were my dad, I'd be keeping track. Oh, that's number 82. Now I'm going to stop loving you. That's what we think. Oh, we just did that last one, and now he's going to stop. No. God's not keeping track. God's ready to restore you. Father God is loving and kind. Finally, I'll finish with this one. God is faithful to be with us. Deuteronomy 31.6, when God called Joshua to lead the Israelites out of the wilderness and into the promised land, he told Moses to give them this exhortation. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Unless you really mess up bad. Or unless you do this or you do that. Then he'll leave me. No, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, not even you, especially not Satan, but not even you, not even you. I say all that to just say, would you open your heart back up? Would you consider walking again? Would you consider getting out your Bible and starting to learn who God is again and ask him to prove himself faithful? He will. I promise. Do you know how I can make that kind of statement? Because of God. That promise is not based on me. It's not my faithfulness. I'm promising on God's faithfulness. God's faithful. God's faithful. Y'all stand up with me.
1: I just want to share for just a minute because I feel like um, i can 't remember the guy who says the rest of the story who says that Paul somebody thank you, Paul Harvey. The rest of the story, what I want to tell you that day that Ruth Ann was in the accident um, that the whole time that we were driving, we were assessing her, we had you know the cousin who 's a doctor, my family who 's in the medical field and and Paul kept just saying over and over, I'm so sorry. I mean, this is my husband, Paul. I'm so sorry. It's my fault I did this. And, you know, in that moment, I just want to tell y'all that the the roots in the Lord are so important. Because, number one, the things that started coming to my brain and to my heart were the Word of God. And I can remember the drive over there Getting her to the hospital and just the only thing that I kept saying was scripture. I just kept praying for scripture. You know, I, I know the plans that he has for you, Ruth Ann, they're plans with a hope and a future. You know, they're good plans. They're they're not to hurt you. And and so I'm confessing, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. Everything that was coming to my mind in that moment, and I can remember getting to the hospital and he's still standing by her side of the bed, weeping. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I remember finally looking at him and I think this is where like that three braided cord, you know, in marriage and you're there and you're like with the with the Lord and you're with each other and I'm like this isn't your fault. You know, don't believe the lies of the enemy right here. And 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 we just kept confessing over her and I remember looking back on that day. And I want you to know that one of the things that I've struggled the most with in my walk with the Lord is trusting him. And I remember after he delivered her out of that, that I remember the thought occurred to me that it was like the plan of the enemy was cut off. It was like he stopped it. And I don't even see you, Ruthanne. Where are you? There you are. Because I remember that day thinking it was like, it was like that God sent his angel and he said, no, not today. Not today. I'm sparing this girl today. And she's got a good life. And I want you to know that when you find yourself in that place, it's why it's so important that we're putting our roots down. That we're learning to trust the Lord. That we're hiding the word in our hearts. Because you know what? We're going to have those moments. And I'm not confessing that over you. But I'm just saying the rubber meets the road. and, And we call out to the name of the Lord and and we just we just get in that moment of you know what I'm gonna trust in and so I want to pray with you you guys are standing up do you mind if I pray? Did you want to pray? We need to pray over the people. Do you want to ask? Okay. The the people who are gonna pray can y'all come up and I just want to say that if you're in a place where it's hard to trust the Lord right here. You don't see the end. You don't see the end. And I just want to say, God has a good plan for your life. It's a plan with a hope and a future. You guys, that's the word of God. That's not my words. That's the word of God. It's straight out of Jeremiah 29, 11. And so I just want to remind you today that God has good plans for your life. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? He's got good plans for your life he's got good plans for your children's lives he's got good plans for you so if you need prayer I'm going to ask you we've got some people up here to pray for you but if you don't want to come up that's okay just close your eyes right now and let's just pray together so father god right now lord god we just yield ourselves to you lord god And we just pray that your plan would come forth for our lives. And Lord God, we thank you right now, Lord God, that we would be a people who would be rooted and grounded in your love, Lord God, and in your trust. So when those storms of life come, Lord God, that we can stand firm, that we can stand firm in you. And Father God, I pray right now for those people who are in this place today, Lord God, who can't see the end from the beginning. But Lord God, we thank you that we serve a God who sees the end. And that His Word, the very Word of God, is that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. And so right now, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you finish what you start in this people. Father God, that you're finishing. And Lord God, that you're cutting off the plans of the enemy. And Lord God, that you're making a way for us where it looks like there's no way. Lord God, that you come in and you bring hope and you bring restoration, Lord God. And Father God, that we're going to be a people today who are rooted and grounded in you. You do what you long to do, Lord. You do what you long to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.